Your attention, please. The Thunder Mesa Limited, now leaving for a grand circle tour through the realms of Imagineering, Model Railroading, and Disney Trains. All passengers, board! Howdy, folks. Welcome aboard the Thunder Mesa Limited. I'm your host, Dave Meek, coming to you from Thunder Mesa Studio in historic Jerome, Arizona. This is the show where we talk to all kinds of creative folks from the worlds of themed entertainment, modeling, trains, and Disney. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 11, and today we are honored to welcome Mr. Robert Kerner to the program. Bob is an accomplished horticulturalist, as well as a model railroader who's probably best known for his Jungle Cruise and Tiki-inspired ON30 Typhoon Lagoon Railway. We'll be talking with Bob about that and so much more right after this important word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Lidemann Hyde Explosives. Stubborn Strata got your goat? Blow him away with Lidemann Hyde. Yes, you'll be shouting fire in the hole with Lidemann Hyde's full line of black powder, dynamite, fuses, and blasting caps clearing the way. But don't take my word for it. Just ask old Three Finger Joe from Calico. What do you do when the going gets tough, Joe? Well, dagnabbit, I light him and hide. Ha ha ha! boy, Joe. Remember that name, folks. That's Light him and Hide Explosives, Sparks, Nevada, USA. Now available by the boxcar load. Void where prohibited by law, not intended for child laborers under seven years of age. <laughs> And now, please welcome to the program, model railroader, tiki enthusiast, plant lover, and oversized hobbit, the man, the myth, the legend, Baobab Bob himself, Robert Kerner. Hi there, Dave. Hi, uh, I want to stress, uh, platonic plant lover. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to assume anything <laughs> else, but uh, now you've got my mind wandering, racing on the, the, the possibilities. <laughs> so, uh, hey, thanks for doing this. I'm glad to glad to be here and uh, talking with you, and I'm surprised you wanted me, honestly. <laughs> well, you 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 have a you know I I really admire the um, the inventiveness that has gone into your your Typhoon Lagoon railroad because you're kind of doing you're you're kind of doing in a in a tiki jungle theme. What I'm kind of doing in the in the old Western Frontierland thing, you are Adventureland to my Frontierland. You know, and for for people that don't know, Bob, Bob has done this cool. This, this is the second iteration now of this. Yeah, second or third, uh, second, third. One and a half iteration. One and a half. Points, yeah, yeah. Not quite to Mark Two yet. Yeah, you're getting there, and, and it's based on uh, and and jump in anytime if I leave anything else. The Tiki Room, the Jungle Cruise, Adventures Club. Typhoon Lagoon, of course, at, at yep. Disney World, things like that. So it's it's a it's a lot of fun, and it's just just this uh, made up little world, right? Yep. Yeah. A little uh, well, one particular little island in an archipelago called Nomanistan. No yes. man is an island. Nomanistan. Yeah. Yes. Tell uh, us all about it. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, like with any good creation, uh, I'd say half of that is ripping off someone else like you good. and changing it just enough so that, uh, that uh, nobody really uh, notices at first. I couldn't even tell. Uh, you went with Frontierland. I'm like, oh, I'll do Adventureland. You know? Yeah, that's great. Uh, but uh, no, I, I uh, 
I had this desire to build a small tropical train layout. And uh, I used to follow a gentleman who had his own website. Um, do you remember the name of it? Carnet or something like that, dot net. Mm-hmm. He did all little miniature model railroads. And he mm-hmm. did a monthly or a biweekly or a every other week um, posting of several miniature railroads. And so I thought, I've got 130. I can do 4 by 4 And that's still miniature in our scale for the most right. part in terms of size. And so I decided I was going to build a donut layout, a simple circle, and put a mountain in the middle of it. And then put a bunch of little tropical scenes from, as you mentioned, Typhoon Lagoon, the, the various adventure lands throughout the world. Right. Uh, influences from well, everything from Gilligan's Island, Hawaii Five-0, <laughs> to Joe versus the Volcanoes in there. Right. And a lot of, a lot of realistic things, too. I have uh, Yap Rice Stones from the island of Yap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got... Uh, Right. Different theme parks and real life for the most part. And real life. And within that, I wanted something that would be somewhat instantly recognizable that if you saw it at a train show, you could see it from a distance. Right. And ultimately, after all the various designs and, and drawings and everything I came up with, I ended up with a train layout that's about nine feet tall. Right. It's quite and, petite. It's very small around in its footprint, yeah. but very tall. There's a big, tall... Uh, not well, like an extinct volcano in the middle of it. Uh, it's a uh, Mount Mayday, and it's supposed to be a shard of a volcano. Right, like you'd see and, in Bora Bora or someplace like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah remnant uh, remnant shield volcano. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, being based off Typhoon Lagoon, there is Miss Tilly sitting on the very top of it. That's right. So there's a little boat at the very top, and and, um, and like I said, really, what I wanted was something that was going to be easy to transport that I could I could show off. I brought there to mm-hmm. uh, to in 2018 and showed it off there. Right. And um, it would fit in the back of my truck and break down. But it's something that at my stature of six foot four, right. I could look up at. <laughs> I, I spend 99% of my life looking down. <laughs> right. That's true. And, That's yeah. true. I hadn't thought of that. It, it, when you say break down, you mean you can break the layout down. Your truck doesn't break down. Yeah. Well, uh, the the truck you saw did break down. On the great <laughs> that was... Got a new one now. I was just trying to clarify there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, the legs come off, of course. The baseboard mm-hmm. is, like I said, four feet by four feet, but right. a grand total about 10 inches tall. Yeah. And then the mountain itself cuts off or comes off, and uh, that just fits in the back of the truck. It's, it's about the right height. The boat comes off the top, of course. Mm-hmm. All the buildings, all the details, the trees that are held on with magnets, they all go into the boxes. Right. And it all fits in the back of the truck nice and neat. You're gonna to have to show me that magnet trick. Oh, that's easy enough. Neodymium magnets. Yeah, you, know, you bury some in the ground. Yeah, yeah, and then and, you put uh, some in the bottom of the building, and they they stick together. That's See, exactly. I already got it. Yeah. I just haven't done it. I haven't bothered with it. Somebody asked me the other day, "How do you get? How do you get the? How, how do you connect your buildings to the layout?" I'm like, gravity. Yeah. Uh, they just sit there most of the time. They're just sitting there. I can pick them up and move them. It's because I change my mind so often. What's fascinating to me, what's fun, I should say, about doing this show, this podcast, is that I have, I'm now I'm having you on here who built a model of Typhoon Lagoon with the ship and everything based on the actual place. And I had the guy who worked on the actual place yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and helped to design this Tilly and figure out the engineering of getting it up there. And having said that, Bill Tyson was on the show. A while ago, and uh, we talked a lot about that. So it's 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 like a circle of life. It's interesting how these things come around. You know, that's the whole the whole thesis of the show, right there in a nutshell. This art imitating life at this point, right? Is art, it art? Eh, it can be. 
you know. I, I tell people a model train layout is it, it's not a it's not a toy. Right. It's a mixed media sculpture right. with a kinetic element. Right. That's yeah, that's a, a that's as good a description as anything. <laughs> so Typhoon Lagoon. So you're pretty you're pretty much a, a tiki obsessed kind of guy. You you love you love the whole tiki uh, thing, right? It's yeah, more or less been. What's up with that, you kids, and this tiki stuff? Anyway, what's <laughs> and the resurgence of mid-century modern tiki right. and all mm-hmm. that. Um, God, I, I like a lot of well people older than myself. Um, you know, their parents say fought World War II, or either dad fought World War II. Right. Um, you know, it's may have experienced South Pacific like my grandfather did, and came back with stories. Uh, or souvenirs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And my other set of grandparents, they were kind of world travelers by the time I was born. Yeah. And so they bring back stories and photos and tell me all about this. And I was always fascinated by that because I live here in sunny Oceanside. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look out to the West and it's, you know, you see the ocean, but realistically, Hawaii is my neighbor by about 2,200 miles. Yeah, a little little south and west. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. a little south and west, but <clears throat> yeah. they're, my, they're my closest neighbor to that direction. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's always fascinated me. And of course, you know, growing up in Southern California, I went to Disneyland all the time. Right. Love the Tiki Room, love the Jungle Cruise, loved Adventureland more than any other land. Yeah. Um, of course, when I ended up working at Disneyland, I worked in Tomorrowland. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I yeah. actually tried to build the Tiki Room in my room when I was a, when I was a kid. They had That's these cool. plastic parrots at Walmart that you could get, and I had a couple of those, and I tried to cut one open and see if I could make its mouth move and stuff. And <laughs> it wasn't very successful, but you know, you're 10, 12 years old. You don't have the tools and experience necessary to make a talking bird. Yeah. That comes later in life. <laughs> That's when you know you're a man. It's, so yeah, you can make still, a bird talk. I still want that. I still want a, a tiki bird or a tiki room bird. I showed point. you that, uh, that Garner Holt link, right? You can, you can get one from Garner Holt. Really? Productions. No, you yeah. Didn't I show you that? I showed no. it to somebody. No, they make a, they make like a commercially available or a a consumer level tiki bird. Or at least they were. Yeah. Uh, that you can get that uh, will. I I, <clears throat> I think it's the price of a new car. Oh God! But <laughs> <laughs> but check it out, Garner Holt Productions. Pretty sure it was them. <laughs> That's one of the worst things about eBay. When one of those little birds comes up on you know, mm-hmm. on eBay for sale, and you watch it, and you're like, "Okay, my bid's going to be about 150 bucks or something like that." Yeah. And then you get to the last few minutes, and you watch it soar up to twenty two thousand. Right. Like, today is not like your that. day. No, never is. So have you have you uh, have you experienced a, uh, a tropical railroad yourself, a real one, like one of these uh, uh, museum railroads where you can ride, like in I know in uh, uh, Lahaina and places like that, they have these different uh, sugar old sugarcane railroads yeah. that you can ride. Yeah. So we yeah, when I was five years old, uh, went over to Maui and did ride the sugarcane yeah. train. Mm-hmm. In, in, uh, is it Lahaina there? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, rode that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Not too many memories of that trip since I was fairly young, but. Yeah. Uh, I do remember the train and swimming yeah. up past the breakers and having a lifeguard come and get me. <laughs> a few other <laughs> things like that. Yeah, a little bit adventurous when I was younger. That's cool. But, yeah. yeah. So that planted the seed early on. Kind of did, yeah. And of course, I, Saturday afternoons were filled with watching Gilligan's Island. And, uh, I loved Gilligan's Island. I, it too. was the stupidest show, but you know, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> So let's talk about um, 
the idea of, of freelancing a, a model railroad. Yeah. Because mine is, is, is freelance and yours is freelance. There's obviously, they're not obviously not based on any actual prototype yeah. anywhere beyond our own imagination. And, uh, some people think uh, that that it's just you know throwing stuff at the wall and coming up with uh, with whatever sticks and um, but there's there's a lot of research that goes into it, isn't there? there I mean, is. if you want if you want to build on a specific theme, a specific idea, you have to do a lot of research. You know, really, with me, it started off by by seeing Sam, by seeing you, and being inspired by that. Wow! Uh, and and being a poor college student at that time, and mm. being able to only afford say a thirty dollar porter. Yeah. train work. and um just playing around with that in a loop in a little circle and uh just constantly looking at it, thinking what can i do with this and mm-hmm. having virtually no money to myself but at the same time loving tiki and right. uh finding the old tiki here well going to a couple of the old tiki bars up there in la at uh in my own and um but yeah talking about the research of of, of uh you know building your own essentially fan fiction model railroad. Right. I, uh, like I said, I was inspired by you, by Sam, and um, kind of wanted to do the Western theme or say Sierra Nevadas, and I, I do have another output for that mm-hmm. and same scale. Right. But, um, you know, I was always partial partial to the tropics, partial to Tiki Dome and, and all that, that that entails. Yeah. And so initially my thought turned to Lahaina, to the sugarcane train. Could right. I rebuild that? I didn't really, really want to do a sugarcane thing. But um, it just kind of grew out of the out of just nothing but drawings and mm-hmm. uh, just my own imagination, really. Right. What little imagination I had left at that point. I don't have much anymore. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it started, I, I'm, I'm sure I've shown the drawing, it started with a drawing of, of an island. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of various Disney gags I can put into there or right. buildings. Right. And so I threw in the, the you know, Channel Tiki Room, my own version of it, made that into a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own version of the Jungle Navigation Building, Singapore Sals, Hammerhead Freds. I even put the DBC. Uh, so when you sit at the, at the Jungle Cruise, right, and you hear Albert Awall and the Disney Broadcasting Corporation, the DBC, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I made the actual radio station for See, that. That's and great. The, yeah, the intent, and unfortunately, I never got to it before I moved on to, to version 1.5, was to actually have all three of the different variations of his spiels and the songs right. playing coming out of that building. And to, to kind of cheat that, I pulled out an old iPhone and had those recorded on that and just threw that in the building <laughs> rather than having an actual professional wired setup because I am garbage with electronics. Ah, uh, well, he, you know, as long as it works, that's uh, it did. That's all that really matters. It was. Worked pretty well. Gets gets the gets the point across. So you you worked at Disneyland briefly. briefly? I, um, yes, you were you were at horticulture at the at yep. Disney. Yeah, yeah. As as you mentioned, I'm at the, the Disneyland Park. <laughs> at the Disneyland Park mm-hmm. on uh, East Side. Yeah. And uh, I had I had been laid off from a job. Came back down to San Diego, and a few days later weeks, I guess, I got a call from the uh, director of horticulture for Disneyland Park itself. Mm-hmm. There is a director of horticulture above him, that's Adam, right. uh, but Dave called me and asked if I was interested in a job, I said, sure, and he told me to be there at 5 a.m. the following day for an interview. Drove that's... up, got the job, and spent the next uh, five and a half months working there on a temporary contract. Right. Um, you were like third shift, right? You were in the middle of the night? Is that when you were out? Yeah. That's when the, so the, that's the only time they would let you roam freely through the... More or less. Probably yeah, afraid you'd were, scare the guests. 
there's a little bit of overlap in the morning. Yeah, we uh, work till yeah. 10.30. You know, start at 2, work to 10.30 in the morning. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a definite shock working there. My, my, I was part of the demo and install team for, for uh, Autopia. Oh. And uh, so our job was to go in and essentially rip out the landscape that had been there since, well, the last revision of Autopia, which I believe was in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, replace it with primarily Californian and Mediterranean native plants. Right. And I was, uh, I had come from being the manager of the horticulture uh, propagation department at one of the largest fruit nurseries on the planet mm-hmm. to being the bottom rung minion at Disneyland, <laughs> which was really nice for destroying any ego I had whatsoever. <laughs> Anything you had left was just gone. Yeah, it just it ate <clears> away, <throat> but it was, it was a great job and I loved it tremendously in spite of the, um, various discoveries at the park there the various discoveries like can, can you share with us uh, some of oh, the yeah. things that you've discovered at the at the park while working late at night yeah i and mean other than the possums we, and the rats that we know are there and the skunks and, and the of skunks course, knows about the cats and the cats everyone knows uh, about the, the cats. raccoons yep i don't know if you remember the old uh, motorboat ride that was mainly for kids yes uh, out yes the small world mm-hmm. uh most of that is now a a um, kind of a meadow Right. You know, grass. Mm-hmm. And uh, at night, if you don't have your headlight on, I remember walking through there and hearing crunch, crunch, crunch. And uh, <laughs> looked down to find that the entire landscape is covered in crawfish. Wow. They live in the pond there and they feed off whatever falls into it. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, we found, uh, we found wallets. We found jewelry. We found cameras, gum, full diapers buried in the shrubs. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Broken pot pipes, really? alcohol bottles buried in the, you know, they just kind of chucked back in there. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and uh, you may want to edit this part out, but uh, even found a plumb wine bottle filled with ash one night. Oh. And yeah. sure you've heard the stories of oh, people. Oh, yeah, yeah. People want that to be their final. Uh, usually yeah. it's the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean where they, they want or, their ashes yeah, dumped. Oh. Or the what? Yeah. Indiana Jones and occasionally the Jungle Cruise. The Jungle Cruise, yeah. But uh, yeah, they're in Autopia near the former smoking location across Matterhorn. Found right. a plumb wine full of ash, and of course I picked it up and looked at it for a little bit. And ran over and found my supervisor, and he uh, he told me to throw it away right away. Yeah, otherwise you got to have the whole hazmat team out if you report that's, it. That's what yeah. happens. There's human it's remains. Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the most. Uh, we'll say the most uh, interesting quasi troubling discovery I ever found um, at the entrance to Autopia. Yeah, yeah. Right near the uh, the walkway. So as you get off the cars in Autopia, you gotta do a one eighty. Mm-hmm. You have to go up the staircase. Right. Turn it left, follow that down, it bends to the right next to the mango tree and the and the flowering plums and, and the sable palm. Mm-hmm. And it takes you down, drops you off in front of finding Nemo. Well right at that bend, there is a flowering plum mm-hmm. uh, to your left hand side as you're starting to make your right hand turn. Okay. And um, sitting out there one night, you know, pruning some of the citrus, and I looked up. It's a full moon. This entire tree is glistening. <laughs> and I thought that was rather weird because we don't irrigate the canopies of the trees for any reason at all, and it had not rained. Right. And so I walked closer and closer to that tree, and I realized the entire thing was covered in human hair. Mm. Uh, so we refer to it as the uh, tinsel tree or the human hair tinsel tree. And what happens is every night, like clockwork, staff yeah. comes out, they blast down everything uh, with high-pressure hoses. Right. You know, all the walkways, all the walking surfaces. And since this elevated walkway 
is right at canopy level for this tree. Yeah, Everything that's gets blasted off in the landscape, including all the human hair that you never think about falling off of people's heads during the day right. on the ground goes into the tree. That's a good reminder that we're all just, you know, filthy shitting oh, animals. <laughs> I mean, it's not just you. It's all of us. Yeah. Deteriorating <laughs> meat sacks. That's, that's all we are. <laughs> that's right. Even even at the happiest place on earth. That's, yeah. That's that's a magical experience. Well, well I, I got to say, in spite of, of the, the weird and disgusting, unusual things that we found and the occasional animals and occasional animal attacks, uh, guy got attacked by a raccoon, Splash Mountain, climbing up the hillside. Oh, right. Yeah. We didn't see him for like three months because mm-hmm. they were worried, like, you know, rabies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, in spite of all that, it was always really neat to be, you know, have your head down in the, the dirt for the majority of the night. and Right. Comes along dawn, and you look up, and you see the Matterhorn, you think, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm at Disneyland. Disneyland. I'm going to go get a churro after work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the guy with a bit, bitten by a raccoon, he, he was in Critter Country. Yes, So he should yes. have known that uh, Ferocious sometimes critter. the critters can get hungry <laughs> and mean. Did yeah. you knock yourself out one night uh, working under the, uh, the, the people mover tracks? I did. Uh, so to remind uh, the audience, Robert is six four. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> for for our team, there were only four of us on the team. Yeah. There was our lead, myself, and then two other people. Right. And the Autopia is, if I recall correctly, about fourteen acres in total. Right. It's pretty dang big. Maybe that's too much. Anyway. Uh, so we had multiple different areas we had to work on during the night, and normally we try and stick together because. You're working at night. You're working in horticulture. If you get hurt, you want to have a partner in case you get knocked unconscious right. or lob off a fingertip or right. any number of other bodily harm things I've done get myself. Bit by a past. raccoon, right? There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not, uh, say, like dangling from Splash Mountain with a raccoon uh, claw on your face <laughs> for hours on end. That's a picture. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, since since I had a long, uh, you know, previous uh, career in horticulture, and I was. Uh, for the most part, knew what I'm doing. I like to say that I know what I'm doing, but uh, it's all a learning process. And uh, I was tearing out some aloes underneath the people mover track. And in Autopia, it's it's really the only place that the track dips below six feet. Right. Normally, it's at about a ten foot, twelve foot high mm-hmm. uh, elevation, so you can't can't get hit by it. You can't reach up there. You can't climb up there. Right. But in areas where in the middle of the ride, where you're not going to get out of the cars, and you shouldn't be walking underneath it, right. it drops low. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I was ripping out the aloes, and uh, it's fairly kind of a laborious thing because I'm just I'm 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 Mongo essentially just ripping out plants right and left, <laughs> and um, I got a little faint, so I stood up, and I just remember the taste of toast and metal at the same time. Oh. And then looking down, and there's a little <laughs> chain link fence to my right, and I remember grabbing the chain link fence and bracing with my left hand on the ground. And that was it. And then I, in my mind, I got up right away. But yeah. when I looked at my uh, my phone, it had been about forty minutes. Wow. <laughs> since, since Did I you get your check self checked out for a concussion and all that afterwards? Uh, not for that, no, no, because because uh, you know it, that could explain a lot. I've had multiple concussions. You know, <laughs> ceiling fans, cars. You know, you, you're driving a Jeep right. Ranger. I'm sorry. Uh, Ford Ranger, yeah. at my size, and your head's on the ceiling already. You hit a speed bump, and you know you, you right. lose a couple minutes. Yeah, it. 
Yeah. And you wear hats a lot like I do. And, you I know, I'm, I'm only six foot, but I am constantly, like, whacking myself right here above <laughs> the brim of the hat, you know. I'll be working on the layout or something, and I can't see it because of the hat brim, and then boom, right there. And it's, yeah, yeah. that hurts. Yeah. So when you describe that toast, that, that, that toast and metal in your mouth, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can feel that. Yeah. <laughs> so there you were, sleeping so on the job. Well, you know, of course, you know, being that I was working alone and the rest of the team was elsewhere in Autopia, right. nobody came by to find me. Nobody mm-hmm. else was out there. No, None of the other teams right. were walking through Autopia <laughs> to get to their locations. Mm-hmm. So uh, there I was, passed out on Autopia. But, wow. um, yeah. And then, uh, flash forward a couple of years, you, you, I, I hope you have Bob Gurr on here at some point. I, you got I, interview I, would, man. I would love to. Yeah. Bob, if you're listening. We'd love to have you on the Thunder Mesa Limited podcast. You can but, talk about, you can spill the real tea on here. We don't, <laughs> we don't edit it out. You know, it's just, you know, we're not beholden to anybody. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Bob. Uh, what about Bob? Where was I at? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. A friend of mine, former boss of mine, Tiki Carver, fairly well known. Tiki uh, Bosco Harnack. Bosco, yeah. And um, yeah, there was a documentary done about him and another one done about Raleigh Crump. And they, Bosco and, and Raleigh know each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so 2018, I believe it was, they were debuting uh, Bosco and the, I think it was the Rebirth of Tiki. I mm-hmm. hope I'm saying the title correctly. Otherwise, I'm going to get uh, get, get an angry phone call. Um, <laughs> but they were debuting that. And then they were showing Raleigh's inter- uh, 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 documentary immediately after that. Mm-hmm. At the Egyptian Theater up in San, or up in uh, Los Angeles, right? And so I went, and I'm hanging out with a bunch of you know various tiki people I know in San Diego, and I see Bob Gurr. I'm like, I I, I want to go say hi to him, but I'm way too nervous, you know, uh, to even go say hi. And so eventually, every we all file into the theater, we all sit down, and Bob Gurr sits down right behind me. <laughs> and within about 50 minutes, I'm practically in his lap showing him photos. <laughs> I'm working at Disneyland. <laughs> I worked on the Autopia. Here's my golf cart going the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, he worked on the Autopia I, too, you know. He did. Yeah, he built. He, the he did a couple of things on that. You know, you, when you when you see him and uh, you know when you see him on on Facebook or YouTube mm-hmm. or, what, or whatever it is, he's always very happy. But he was terrified by me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all are. To an extent, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I got kind of a Shrekish appearance. No, no. You're also, as well as ON30, you're, you're into N-Scale, which, you know, so, I don't judge. If, if that's your thing, you know, that's, you want to talk about N-Scale a little bit? I'm sure. It's, Tell um, me about I, it. I've, I've been in N-Scale since I was 15. Wow. Maybe even younger. Yeah. Uh, belong to uh, three different clubs, you mm-hmm. know, two down there, one up in, up, in, up in the Modesto area when I worked for a nursery up there. Yeah. And uh, I currently belong to the Short Track Model Train Club, uh, located at the Anti-Gas Imaging Museum in Vista, right? Uh, where we have the Donner Pass. We have uh, we have about 14 miles of the Donner Pass, so it's wow. total 70 plus miles. Right. Uh, highlights of you, know, you know Colfax, Truckee, Roseville, Sparks, and Reno, mm-hmm. and then of course you know various other locations on there like Norden, like the Donner Pass itself. You got to have the Donner Pass if you use the Donner Pass. Really, you're gonna do the yeah. Donner Pass. Really. You can't you skip that. It. You can't skip Donner Pass. But the Donner um, Party probably wishes they had skipped Donner Pass, but 
Uh, maybe gone south or Ridgecrest yeah, or something. Yeah, or at a different time of year. Who knows? <laughs> but um, I've been a member of that club since 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently I was put in charge of the details. So I'm the guy who's putting out the cars and the people. And, right. And you know, you've shown uh, me some uh, pictures of, of the detail work. And, and they're always done with a, a, a lovely sense of humor. I like the Christine reference. <laughs> Christy, that, the book by Stephen King and movie, yes. That, that might be a bit macabre. It's like right on the edge of the layout, right where kids are going to see. So I'm, I'm starting to second guess myself <laughs> about that one. And then, of course, I, I plastered it all over social media. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, now I'm thinking, you know, how many of my friends think I'm a sociopath? Well, how many think I, and how many know? I mean, that's, <laughs> you're for, a, a high-functioning sociopath. <laughs> no, I love stuff like that. You know, yeah. And it's great, especially in a club layout. Yeah. To, to, you know, it's something that you take out and show to the public and stuff. It's it's fun to have those little Easter eggs for people to find. Oh, yeah. So, you know, aside from Christina, and to, to illustrate it for people who haven't seen it yet, it's mm-hmm. it's a red Plymouth Fury. Right. And there is a guy in a leather jacket hanging off the hood. Right. And then uh, tire marks and a streak of blood coming out the back. Right. It's uh, it's then, rather grisly. Yeah. What, now, so what else have you put on there? I've seen the pictures, but you, you describe what else is on there. That's uh, well, it's, uh, added. Uh, I've got Herbie. Herbie, uh, right. You know, the, the bug. bug, right. I've got a Duff delivery truck from The Simpsons. I have an Acme <laughs> delivery truck spilling anvils um, from Looney Tunes. That's I, to our pond, and when I say pond, and in scale, it's, it's probably about a 200-foot by 40-foot pond, and realistically, yeah. it's only about a foot, give or take. In there is a gentleman in a rowboat. Behind him is a shark fin, and behind that are three yellow buoys. <laughs> so our, our nod to Jaws. Right. I've got uh, you know several animals: uh, elk, deer, sheep. You know that you'd find up in the area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sasquatch, of course. You got to have Sasquatch. Got to have Sasquatch. Anything in California, mm-hmm. or anything on the West Coast, really. Right. Uh, uh, I've got a gentleman about to be knocked over the edge of a cliff by an elk, charging up behind him. That's cool. A guy being chased out of a warehouse by a bear. Mm-hmm. And um, oh yeah, I've got uh, so I've got Doctor Who's TARDIS, mm-hmm. and very shortly uh, I should receive it either today or tomorrow. Uh, a couple in scale DeLoreans. Oh and, uh, yeah, so there's going to be several different DeLoreans scattered about. Uh, one I got to figure out how to attach it to the front of the train. Got uh, one in a barn I, with the tarp partially over it. <laughs> actually, no, no, no. no. Uh, one's going to be flying over a bri- over a uh, oh, because you don't need uh, roads. As a, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. then the third one, I plan to park it right next to Doctor Who's TARDIS, and then immediately adjacent to those two, I plan to have a little green portal. Mm-hmm. And then within all that, I plan to have Doc Brown, Doctor Who, and uh-huh. Richard Sanchez from Rick and Morty having a three-way fantasy fistfight because. <laughs> Why not? That's Why the, not? Have that's the ultimate crossover right there. <laughs> that is the ultimate crossover. Well, that's great. What do you What do you find so appealing about Nscale? Is it just, Is it the size? Is it the, the the fact that you can run trains of realistic length? Is it that that it's so well, it, so tiny? <laughs> you know, being a I big call guy, it I like tweezer gauge. Uh, but yeah, tweezer. Yeah. Uh, no, no, real quick uh, on a tangent, I have to ask: yeah, Is it you or Jake who is uh, who responded with the "We will not ever make the barn in N scale"? <laughs> it could have been either one of us because um, uh-huh. uh-huh. we we are in agreement. And it's it's you know it's not because we don't like N scale; it's it's because we don't want to produce kits in N scale. I feel attacked. 
We don't make anything in N-Scale. We don't do N-Scale kits. The other people have that that niche covered. We don't do that. Yeah. So. Well, then, yeah, our numbers are growing every day. We're taking down those HO scale bastards all the time. Yeah, the N scale. Yeah. yeah, is this like a gang war? It's like a, a the scale. It, it's kind of like a scale turf war. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's most of the fuddy duddies and the boring people on the HO scale. Oh man, uh, we're gonna get letters. You know, oh, <laughs> uh, half original scale. That's what we say it stands for. I thought it was a horribly oversized. Is what HO stood for. That that could be true, yeah, yeah. yeah especially from my perspective of N scale. Yeah, I, I'm sure the Z scale guys talk shit about us all the time. You yeah. know, those, those size bastards and their nine millimeter gauge track and how dare they. Right. But anyway, getting getting back to the original track here, what I like about N scale is that you can run prototypically sized trains. Right. Uh, I can I can run you know dispersed power. I can have a helper mm. in the middle of the train, back of the train, depending on whatever it was, what railroad right. it was. Uh, running a four uh, percent yeah, uh, uh, gradient right. at our club, and the great thing is, belonging to a club like that, I do not need a layout of my own. Right, the key I can go out there anytime, mm-hmm. and um, it's already pre-built. Somebody, somebody else has done the electrical work because I am shit when it comes to electrical <laughs> stuff. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been zapped and, and electrocuted and shocked. And, You're supposed you to know, turn the power to... off before you work on that stuff. You know, I, I think what it is is I'm too trusting. I've had way too many people say, oh, yeah, don't worry about the power. Just off. go ahead. Oh, no, it's off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not live. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, and, and, and Donner Pass, of course, that's the Southern Pacific. It is. Or, yeah, it used I, to be, anyway. And uh, so, you, yeah, you're going to want to run long, long trains over that to, to, for, to, for it to look realistic. Yeah, yeah and, and within scale, a long train for Donner Pass can be 12 feet. Right. Um. You know, with our club, there are certain rules and regulations, and in order to keep all, all the old older guys happy, you cannot run, assess, run excessively long trains. And we have to have trains that fit. They must fit in a siding. Uh, and I, I typically pick the two longest sidings so I can <laughs> run really long trains. Um, or you can run prototypically and, and build your train at Colfax. Mm-hmm. You know, you take two trains or a uh, you know, long train over and uh, build it there with another one and then take it up the Donner Pass and then right. break it once you get to Truckee, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I like the size, I like the portability of it. Everything pretty much fits in a couple of boxes. Of course, right. now that I've been doing this for, oh, nearly 20 years, more than 20 years, more than 20 years. Good God, I'm old. Um, no, you're not. I have quite an extensive of collection now. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking at about 70 engines and about wow. uh, 300 freight cars and probably another 60 passenger cars. Yeah. And yeah, scale has come a long way. I mean, the the, the quality it, of the equipment equipment is is, I mean, if you were in N scale in the nineteen seventies, like I was, which is way before you were born, um, <laughs> the stuff was crap. And anybody who used it back then would would agree. I mean, this it was oh, just yeah. it was garbage. I mean, you you spent all your time just trying to get the things to run. Yeah, and it, it's really come a long. I mean, they've they've got. They've got sound decoders and them little things, for goodness, goodness sake. And Oh, you ought to see it. I, I've yeah. got a couple of NW2s or mm-hmm. NW2s. I've got a couple of S2s uh, yeah. from Atlas. Atlas yeah. was always kind of a middle of the road. People, you know, like with anything, there are people who love certain companies. Right. And Atlas, to me, especially back in the 90s, was hit and miss. Mm-hmm. You had some really great engines, and you had some really garbage engines that they produced. Right. And with the, you know, 
like as you mentioned, as we got into the digital age, we got into DCC, uh, early 2000s, late 90s, at the very earliest, but really early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, really hit its stride for N-Scale about 2010, 2012. And the stuff that is being produced by Atlas, by Broadway Limited Imports now, is just shockingly good. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm thoroughly impressed. Yeah. And uh, of course, with that comes the price point too. Whereas you used to be able to buy like a model power Jeep 38, right? That hadn't changed since they designed it back in 1970, whatever it was when right. they first built the model. Uh, you could buy those for 15, 20 bucks as mm-hmm. late as like 596. Uh, but now, you know, a lot of engines, especially like the S2s with the sound chips inside, are running in a $160 range. Wow, $160. You can you can you can get like a ON30 freight car for that. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's not quite that bad. <clears throat> it's getting there though. I that, no, I have to say it no. being being a larger scale uh modeler myself. Um yeah. one thing I do miss on my layout is the ability to run long trains and uh and of course wider curves too, larger equipment, you know. Yeah. But you know, I'm a narrow gauge guy, so it's, it's everything's a trade off. You're, you're always welcome to come out here to you know Southern California, out to Vista, and run some uh, in-scale trains. I got plenty of them. Oh God, no! That that yeah. see me coming, and <laughs> there's that Dave Meek. He hates in-scale. Get him. Uh, no, I don't hate in-scale. I like I said, I started out in in-scale because it was all I could afford because it used to be yeah. quite cheap. Uh, back back in the day, you could get a little, you know, lifelike or Bachman. Oh, don't even mention those names. <laughs> but, but, uh, okay, the backup. So well, like you were saying about Atlas, the same is true with Bachman. Some of some of the stuff of the stuff is really good quality, and some of it not quite so much. So that was that was a huge leap for me to go from N scale to O and thirty because yeah. every experience I had with Bachman N scale mm-hmm. was worse than garbage. Yeah, just just. The absolute worst mechanisms, mm-hmm. terrible details, prototypes that made no sense, fantasy paint schemes, and just it was it was right. a, a minefield. So when I saw the porters on sale, like two thousand nine, two thousand eight or so, for like thirty bucks, yeah. forty bucks, whatever it was, and I bought one, I didn't. It was a huge leap, like I said. Mm-hmm. But they turned out to be really great little engines, and they still run today. They're the original DC power yeah. ones. Yeah, um, they've been beaten up quite a bit because they've traveled around quite a bit yeah and since then i've upgraded to the dcc versions of, of those uh the porters for the for right. the newest layout right uh, although i run them as dc because again i don't have the technical uh, acumen to go through and actually wire a uh, dcc system without <laughs> blowing myself up well it's not the, the the fear is not you blow yourself up the fear is that you you fry that extremely valuable decoder that's the size of your thumbnail and then you have yeah. to buy another one <clears throat> you see that the puff of blue smoke come out and it's like oh no you've released the blue smoke that makes the electronics work and once you let that out it doesn't work anymore it's, ask me how i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's so that's interesting because so so kind of like me you skipped completely over ho scale you went from n to ON30, yep. well, that, that's not true. I did have a, a, an HO scale layout for a brief period of time. That didn't satisfy me. It, it yeah. was, no. I wanted, I wanted, well, I wanted narrow gauge for one thing. Yeah. 
and H.O. is a weird scale. It's it's uh, it's one to the eighty seventh. Right. It's supposed to be and, H.O. stands for half O. Now, if it was yeah. half O, it would be one ninety six scale, which it is not. Yeah. And actually, 196 is this cool scale. And I don't understand why we don't make things in 196 scale. Because if you made things in 196 scale, N scale track is really close to three foot gauge. Oh. <laughs> it's actually really close. That. I mean, it's off a little bit. I mean, yeah. the engineering people out there with calipers in their hands will quibble with me. But <laughs> it's it's close enough. Um, anyway, I actually of built some it. 1 8 inch scale uh, uh, rolling stock. At one time, yeah, really, yeah, one ninety six little, little narrow gauge box cars that ran on uh, um, N scale trucks and couplers and all that stuff, and kind of oh, like cool. you would do with H O N thirty, but but it was true three foot gauge. And then yeah. I realized that I would have to scratch build absolutely everything, <laughs> so I gave up well, on that. Hold on, both you and I scratch build practically everything. That's true. <laughs> I'm working on a kit right yeah. now, which is really unusual for me, and it's taken me forever. It takes me much longer to build somebody else's kit than it does for me to just scratch build something myself. Because I'm trying to figure out their thought process the whole time. Why did they do it this way? I would have done it this way, but okay, well, let's, we'll do the, we'll follow the steps and do it. And then I look at them and go, no, it would have been better if I'd done it the other way. <clears throat> yeah, it, yeah. It's just, well, scratch building is that's what it's all about, yeah. in my opinion. Um, someday I hope to have the skills to scratch build a locomotive. But uh, that's, you know, that's a lot of machinist skills that I don't, uh, and tools that I don't have. Yeah. Uh, I know that pain. Yeah. Same desire to actually, you know, build my own locomotives, my own designs, right. but uh, do not have the machining skill set. Right. Fine. I, I'm I'm a plant guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know just enough to be dangerous. I can take one yeah. thing and turn it into another thing, like yeah. you know, kit bash or or you know, make it look cosmetically like something else. But building it from the ground up, you know, yeah. quartering drivers and you know, soldering brass and all that kind of stuff it, it, to a degree where it's a passable model is, is difficult. Yeah, yeah. got to be real satisfying though when that runs. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, that's yep. that's for that. I think I'd want to do if I was gonna go, if I was gonna work that hard. <clears throat> I want it to be something that I can ride on <laughs> or in. But yeah, but yeah, I want to like build a, a, a live steam or something. That would be um, that'd be fun. Now, Speaking what would of you machining for, skills, yeah. hmm? what would you what would you build for live steam and what <sighs> scale? Live steam? I had an idea. I actually did some drawings of this. It was a. Um, it was a half-scale Nature's Wonderland locomotive. That'd be cool. Because I had the plans, and so I scaled it down to 15-inch gauge, so just basically half size. And then uh, um, somebody already did it. They beat me to it. Iwin. Yeah, yeah Iwin. Yeah. <laughs> his isn't live steam, though, so there's still no. a possibility. His is battery-powered, which is more prototypical because it's like the real ones were, yeah. were battery-powered. But it's like, hmm... I've still got those drawings. That's a really interesting locomotive that he's built there. Because you wouldn't expect you know, the materials that he's used. Right. I never, I never would have expected. Yeah, this was the yeah. lid off a, a pan, and he's, like, yeah. going through the parts. He's like, what? The bottom end of a sand dome is a bucket. Right. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah. How did you? 
the guy's got a great eye for just picking oh, junk God, yeah. to, to use, you know. Like, oh, yeah. this will work. This looks about the right size. Yeah. Going back to the beginning, it's a mixed-media sculpture. Exactly. That's really what it is. Yeah. Do you have any? You have any ever ever have any desire to have like a live steam uh, that you could you know that you could do that you could ride on? Uh, I know you don't have a yard, but uh, not enough for something like that. But <laughs> if if I had the money and the wherewithal, mainly the money, and mm-hmm. and and I mentioned the money, you got to have the money. Yeah. Um, Eureka and Palisade. Oh, the Baldwin eight eighteen. I love that locomotive. That is a beautiful locomotive. There's only the era, left. yeah, everything about it. Yeah, yeah. three left uh, out there, and two of them are in museums. One of them's in private possession. Yep, yep. And that that was something that Precision was going to make in Owen thirty about five six years ago. Right. What happened with that? They stopped making them. They, they just stopped making uh, Owen thirty stuff for the most part. That sure did. I mean, except the K twenty sevens and what the thirty uh, eights. Right. And it's... the uh, goose. Right. There's hardly anybody making O-130 stuff right now. It's, yeah. it's kind of drying up, which scares yeah. me a little bit. You know? uh, go back to kit bashing HO scale. I mean, that's that's really what it's good for. You take the that's, smaller locomotives and that's what HO scale is good for. You can you can cannibalize the the frames and the drivers and the yeah. the motors and the mechanisms and the couplers and the wheels and the trucks and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about uh, tell me about your your Grizzly Peak Railroad that you that oh. is that is a, a mostly a thought ex- inter- exercise well, or a it, thought it, experiment. It's a thought exercise. Well, thought exercise. That sounds really pretentious. Uh, a daydream. Fantasy, a, well, yeah, daydream, a fever dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what I originally started off with. Owen thirty, and mm. uh, you know, like I mentioned, I, I got that locomotive. It was not intended for the tropical train layout. I just I settled. I did that drawing one night and then mm-hmm. created the layout a little later that year. It's been six years now, and um, but I had that little porter for months, yeah, maybe years, no, years, years, because I got that in two thousand nine, I think it was, and I didn't do anything until two thousand fifteen with Typhoon Lagoon, right. and so the. First little bit of kit bashing I ever did, because I was always petrified of, of altering an engine or altering anything else. I built a rack for the roof of that porter, not a surf rack or a luggage rack like you've seen on the on the Typhoon Lagoon, but mm-hmm. I built a rack for two canoes to sit on top of the roof. <laughs> that was my first modification. It just it just sat on top of the uh, on top of the cab, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of working you know at Disneyland and and a bunch of other. Things I discovered in the meantime, like, uh, you know, the Argo mine up in Colorado, right. the lower section of it is used for river rafting company. Hmm. And uh, about that time, I saw the uh, the Sugar Pine Lumber Company for the first time. Mm-hmm. I thought, how neat would it be if you had a heritage railway, railroad that took kayak and, and river rafters upstream and dumped them out? Yeah. And that's, you know, for, for you, know, you go for tours and things like that. People get on the train as they you know, live like a sugar pine. Mm-hmm. But also having this, this you know, a couple of flat cars on the back chuck out the rafts, those people get out and they, they roll back. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really neat idea. And, um, so the idea kind of formed in my head, you know, you gotta, uh, I, I belong to a own 30 club, mm-hmm. uh, the California Southern coast, Southern California coast. I forget the actual name and those guys are probably going to send me a message when this <laughs> drops about that. Uh, but anyway, I joined them when I was in college and I had a four, four, Oh, 
Yeah. And I had a couple of Bachman uh, passenger cars, uh, you know, combine a uh, couple of passengers, mm-hmm. coaches, and uh, a couple of flat cars from AMS that I found on online for like 20 bucks. Yeah. It was a hell of a deal. Mm. And uh, the river rafts I found are uh, resin ornaments, Christmas tree ornaments. Oh. About 16 foot. I was going to ask you where you got those because they look yeah. like they're exactly the right size. They're 16 Very, feet. So yeah. that's, yeah. That's great. And uh, I repainted them, cleaned them. They're, they're, they're really kind of, uh, I don't want to use the word tacky, but uh, there's a lot of little add-ons that they put on there for the ornament itself. I stripped mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Filled in the gaps with some, uh, you know, the, the green putty and then uh, let it dry, painted, painted it. And they're nice and heavy. They sit on the flat car. They weigh it down. So especially if you're going a rough track on a modular for 130, mm-hmm. it keeps those cars. And those cars are kind of finicky mm-hmm. on, uh, on anything but perfect track. Yeah. So I keep some weighted down and, uh, that's where it, it kind of left it for a while was that I was going to have essentially running equipment like I do with the N-Scale club for the 130 club. And I was going to redo it as a grizzly, grizzly river railroad. Uh, because by that time, you know, I thought, of, you know, I thought of the name, I just stole off of Disney because I was working at Disneyland and I was really enamored with the grizzly river run, uh, river raft ride. That's and a great like, name. Oh, why not, you know, base it off that. And then I started, me being me, I started writing a history for it about when the railroad was founded and taking uh-huh. history elements from the Disney. Because if you look into the anything that Disney does nowadays, especially like like California Adventure mm-hmm. and the Grizzly River Raft ride, there is a lore to it. Right. They talk about the Eureka Empire and Timber Company, I believe it is, or Golden Timber. <coughs> right. And uh, yeah, so there's a progression of different railroads. There's I threw in the Grizzly Flats Railroad as another O and thirty that was. Yeah, in my alternate history, uh, built to serve or run from Fresno up to Mineral King uh-huh. for the for the uh, for the uh, the the abandoned or uh, canceled. Um, what would you call that? The uh, Winter Park at Mineral King. <clears throat> what were they going to call it? The Mineral oh. King Project. I, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was you know Disney was heavily involved in that, so I thought, mm-hmm. why not the Grizzly Flats? Say that that was another railroad, and they all have this interconnected thing, and that that. This is a long-winded story. No, this is great. Uh, this is this is freelancing. I love it. Yeah, and you know, coming off the ride, you know, adding in that, uh, like I said, Grizzly Flats, having my own Grizzly River Railroad, mm-hmm. and um, let's see. In the meantime, I also bought. Uh, I found a couple of uh, custom passenger cars. Yeah, for the San Joaquin Central, which is a railroad that never existed. And so I thought, okay, there's another great one. That's you just make that a railroad that ran between Fresno and Yosemite or something like that. So mm-hmm. I threw that name too have this timeline, have this history of mergers and sell-offs and right. abandonments, and it's all written down. It's all in a binder because I have way too much time. And you've uh, created do. a Google map with all of these railroads on there, I too. do. But, uh, <laughs> and you've included my uh, railroad on there at one point. Didn't you, you put the Didn't you put the thing on there? <laughs> oh, you're on there. Uh, Dustin Nguyen's mm-hmm. uh, Hawaiian Railroad is on there. Yeah. Uh, is it Peter Snaggletooth? His, uh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, his railroad is on there, too. Yeah. Based out of Nova Scotia, so I just I kind of pinned the location of Nova Scotia where it made sense. Right. But as for you, for Sam, they're all in their exact locations where they sit today, including mine. That's I think awesome. it still is. That's but uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I got a whole map and I've got all the different railroad lines that all merged together and became part of the Grizzly River Railroad. And it's it's you know at this point in the the evolution of a, this this way too much free time story as <laughs> it's you know set in the modern era. Mm-hmm. It somehow managed to survive uh, through through this whole time. Still runs steam engines, yeah. but um, you know, and and this is you know, being that this is my world, my universe, 
you know, they run off of, of oil, yeah. uh, ideally, you know, stuff that won't harm the environment because I deep down, I'm a dirty hippie, I guess. Uh, uh, damn tree hugger. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's nothing wrong with hugging a tree every now and then. Oh, as long as it's platonic. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, my, my history, the railroad survived to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting to convert to electrical, uh, and at this point in, in the, the, the the history of the project, is that it's largely based off of the Reichen Railway in Switzerland, which is yeah. you know kind of the uh, the Canton Railway of Gerbunden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, bright red cars, Glacier Express, the uh, the uh, um, um, Bernina Express, a bunch of those other uh, you know local little lines, and yeah. it's a really neat little railroad. If you ever get a chance, go to YouTube, and you can lose hours just watching the little red trains go through the Swiss Alps. <laughs> Beautiful, it's picturesque. I want to do that for real one of these days. That's oh, that's on too. my bucket list. <clears throat> go yeah. do do a rail trip through uh, that part of Europe would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, how right. how 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 blown was your mind when you found out that they actually had planned a Grizzly River Railroad? For DCA that got uh... <laughs> I don't know that I was blown so much because you had the like, same idea yeah uh, and it's it's a convergent creative evolution mm-hmm. um, because well, I, I'm trying to think it was Ray Spencer right it was, yeah, he it was, was one of the people behind that yeah yeah and I don't think I met Ray until 2016 and this yeah. all started in uh, the initial you know part of it started in 2010 Mm-hmm. And uh, I had never heard of a railroad plan for California Venture. In fact, at that point, I hadn't even been to California Venture. It wasn't until 2013 or 12 that I finally went. Yeah. Um, and saw that and started, you know, developing all those other parts to it. But um, I wouldn't say, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't say blown. More like, damn, someone else beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it 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 didn't happen. So. No, no. It's but, it's a, uh, it's a darn shame. It should have. Yeah, it is. It would have been really cool. It would have been a short ride, but it would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's 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 my favorite part of that entire park is just around the Grizzly River Run area. Yeah, that's that's the nicest part of the park, I think. Yeah. That and Buena Vista Street, it's real nice. Yeah, that's something gotten better. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was going to say that's um, you know, the final end to the story is that at this point, because I'm an incessant collector, insufferable collector, whatever the right forward would be. Um, <laughs> Because I'm an insufferable collector, at this point I have, I'd say, in the range of about 12 different engines uh, for Grizzly. None of them have been repainted. None of them have been lettered. Uh, I've got probably another dozen or so secondhand Bachman passenger cars. Mm-hmm. I I have dozens of freight cars from AMS that I yeah. bought over the years. You know, parceled out over, over time, so it's not uh, not to break anyone's bank. But uh, I've, I've actually repainted several of those. I just haven't lettered them yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a slow project. And, I, you know, if you ever see me at a train show, you'll see them there at, uh, at, uh, at the uh, South Coast uh, 130 guys. I think you got it right that time. South Coast I think so. I think so. <laughs> D- Dane will let me know. If Dane I will it. let you know. Yeah. <laughs> South Coast 130. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I follow them on Facebook. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're trying to get me to build modules, which I think I'm finally going to break down and do for the Grizzly River. I think you should. That'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a I've got a plan for a couple of converging rivers and like eight feet of a module to nice. build. When are you going to come and visit me again? Ah, I was going to try and keep that a surprise. Um, well, you're not you're not doing anything the first weekend of December. 
right? No. You're doing the 24th. You're doing Wednesday. Your open house, right? The, uh, Wednesday the 24th. Uh, actually, that's a uh, day after tomorrow of November. Oh, God, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when in December I'm going to do. I haven't haven't picked a day yet. Okay. But probably close to yeah, closer to the before Christmas. It'll be before Christmas. Let's call it the 18th. 18th. Sure. Pencil, Quite possibly. Pencil yeah. you in. Uh, I could bring uh, Typhoon Lagoon Mark 1.5. I don't know where we'd put if it. If you want to. <laughs> nah, how big? How, how big is it? Two feet by two feet. Two feet by. Oh, it's much smaller than the first one. So yeah, we haven't discussed that, or uh, or Gary Betty, or any of those guys too. Right. Yeah. No, you should. You should come bring it. I've got a spot for it actually. Okay. Yeah, with a backdrop already painted. <laughs> Pretty much the same spot that you had last time, except smaller. Gotcha. Yeah. Right across the. Aisle. That's been a little over three years since I've been up there. Yes, it's time to do that again. Yeah. That was fun. I can go uh, stare uh, slack jawed at the Grand Canyon again. <laughs> it's still there. It's still grand. That blew my mind. I, I I thought it was a painting when I first saw it. Yeah. Yeah. That's you, now you see why I like that kind of scenery. Yeah, that's quite beautiful out there. You know, whereas here I'm staring at houses and eucalyptus trees. Well, you know, California's has its charms. Also, I'm 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 a Californian at heart. <laughs> uh. uh I'm born and raised there, so yeah. Let's talk about the uh, the meeting of the minds. The, uh, the we'll we'll wrap up on that because we we've been on yeah. here for an hour. So the the great uh, the great fiesta at uh, Gary yeah. Beatty. Well, so there, there's something I want to do is I want to uh, you know, not not necessarily a club, but like a loose amalgamation of of train nerds, right? Who generally do kind of similar stuff, and that's mm -hmm. you know yourself, Sam, myself, Gary, right? And um, the fourth gentleman whose name escapes me at the moment. Scott Carter. Scott Carter. Scott, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot your name. He's a great guy, man. Yeah. We all, uh, you know, Sam, Sam has done a realistic, uh, or at least a realistic interpretation of an existing ride, but uh, you, myself, Scott, and Gary have all done these kind of fantasy things. Right. And we're all, unlike a lot of other Owen 30 guys, we're all kind of the same aesthetic. Mm -hmm. In terms of, uh, you know, the fantasy and the, the not necessarily realism hyper realism that a lot of people go for leaning into the storytelling aspect of the, yeah. of, of it you know using it to tell okay this is a story you want to tell the story because is more important than fidelity to any particular yeah. prototype or anything like that yeah 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 i always i always figured we need to have like a group or something like that at some point well, we could have jackets made and we could do jackets yeah, yeah. <laughs> business cards we have to do some pins you know lapel pins those are hot <laughs> <laughs> goofy hats yeah no, got that covered yeah uh I go back to 2020 here i ended up moving from from where i was working and living up in carmel mm -hmm. uh back to southern california yeah and in the process and well before that actually i realized that the original type of lagoon without the mountain without the details without the buildings without anything else on it the base alone weighed 125 pounds yeah you built it out of some sturdy lumber i yeah, as my grandfather would say, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Uh, <laughs> I, I built it out of two by fours and uh, two by sixes yeah. out of dug fur and uh, three quarter inch plywood on top. And yeah, and on top of that, I put a bunch of lava rock and sand. And mm -hmm. So it got it, kind of heavy. Oh, it got heavy fast. It got awkward to move. And even at my size, that's kind of a bit much to move when it's four feet by four feet. Yeah. And so ultimately, I made the decision before moving down here to scrap that. Mm hmm. I scrapped the original layout. I saved all the buildings, 
most of the trees, the trees were always kind of delicate. Uh, but, you know, figurines, detail parts, everything I could salvage off that I salvaged and did away with the baseboard. Mm-hmm. I saved the mountain, saved the boat, saved, you know, I think I ended up uh, burning the legs actually as a last little bonfire at my place before I moved down. <laughs> uh, um, so I really can't go back to the old layout. Right. So flash forward to, I'd say, January, February of this year. Um, Gary got a hold of me. Gary from Portal Bracha Railway, another own thirty uh, right. layout, another kind of fantasy mm-hmm. uh, freelance layout that is really worth checking out. Right. Um, he invited me up to an open house that he and Scott Carter were having. Scott from Cinnamon Creek. Right. Um, they were gonna have an open house with Scott Cinnamon Creek, Gary's Portal Bracha, and then their the Punta Gordo. Punta Gordo, yeah. That they're uh, yeah they're 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 kind of uh, their joint uh, venture yeah. Is mm-hmm. no uh, Punta Margarita, amazing little layout, a lot of automation in it. I mean, really well detailed, and it's mm-hmm. it's the detail in it is comes from a lot of the verticality of the layout because right. even though it's it's uh, say a foot and a half, two feet wide, and mm-hmm. maybe three four feet long, it's about two feet tall, and yeah. there's multiple layers to it uh, for right. for the trains. For all the little buildings and for all the animation that goes on there, mm-hmm. and it's a really neat little layout. But yeah. Anyway, um, Gary invited me up there and asked if I would uh, be interested in bringing some of my buildings, and they were buried somewhere in storage. And I, I said, "Sure." I said, "I can go out and find them." And after about a week or so, I got back to Gary. I said, "What if I just built a new layout?" And uh, <laughs> really fast. <laughs> yeah, he asked me because we, we had like we had like six weeks or so. Oh, no morning. problem. Yeah, and uh, he asked me several times if I was certain. I said, yeah, 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 I got, I got this. So mm-hmm. I set to building a miniature version of, of my, my original layout. And instead right. of being an honest interpretation or uh, yeah, a smaller version of the original layout, I decided to make a brand new island. Ah. And uh, I honestly forget what we called it or what I called it. But uh, I made a little drawing, showed it off to the world on Facebook, on, on the uh, Typhoon Lagoon page, mm-hmm. and... Uh, told Gary, I said, this is what I'm going to build. And in about, they say, I procrastinated for a while. So I think about three weeks I put it together, maybe less. And uh, built a two foot by two foot by almost four foot tall tabletop layout. Mm-hmm. And all it is is a little circle of track yeah. just going around and around with a mountain in the middle that rises up. And it's 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 done as, as realistically as I could to make it look like one of the eroded volcano right. uh, tops that you'd see in Hawaii or the Cook Islands or something like that. Maybe um, and there's a little arch, of course, because you got to have an arch if it's going to be a fantasy tropics. And there's a, a big kind of sea mount that rises out, a bunch of birds on top. There's mm-hmm. a face into it, a kind of a Vanuatu slit drum face. There's some uh, honest interpretations of tiki's, some goofy tiki's. There's uh, not goofy, uh, you know, gosh, Mickey, uh, goofy, but uh, you know, kind of funny, silly, funny, yes, yeah. Um, and then I also did an underwater scene, too, where I, I sandwiched. I did uh, two to three layers of pink foam, mm-hmm. built up the sand underneath that, had some 3D-printed coral I got off online, uh, some underwater sea creatures, and then I put a layer of Lexan over top of that and then built up another couple layers of foam and then built a mountain on top of that. The entire mountain is, is painted black. It's black sand. It's you know mm-hmm. volcanic sand. There's uh, I built a little bamboo trestle that goes across a little lagoon portion of the layout. Yeah. You can look down, you can see a manta ray swimming there and a bunch of little fish and things like that. And uh, I've got uh, the lookout from Oponi Wu from Joe versus the Volcano so right. on top is uh, Spyglass. And uh, a bunch of other little odds and ends, including uh, Trader Sam offering his two-for-one deal to Mr. and Mrs. Hal, you know, two of his heads for one of yours. Right. 
no matter how you slice it, you come out ahead. Um, I've got. Uh, <laughs> He's the jungle's head salesman. Yes. <laughs> or so I've heard. Don't get me rolling on Jungle Cruise jokes. <laughs> we'll be here forever. So, um, did we cover everything? Is there anything else? Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway, wrapping up the uh, story. So, we all got together at McGarry's. Mm-hmm. Uh, brought my little train layout. There's photos of that all over the internet now. Uh, you drove out from I Arizona. I did. Uh, you stay, what would you say? You stayed in a crappy little hotel in Banning or something I like that? I did, and I would <laughs> never stay there again. I left them a... Not a pleasant review. Anyway, you know, that was so, a fun time. I yeah. gotta have I have Gary on the show. Absolutely. You gotta get Gary and Scott. We'll talk Both about of them. the he's doing a new thing now. He's doing a, a was, like a Jamaican island theme. Like a is he? like he's moving on from tequila to rum now. Because the Puerto <laughs> Borracho is all about tequila. Now he's gonna do a Jamaican rum themed layout. I'm I'm curious to see I'm, what he's I'm, gonna do when he gets to vodka because it's gonna be fairly bleak. <laughs> Russian, Siberian oh. Do you like potatoes? <laughs> Behold, the train tracks to our many fields of potatoes. It comes from the potato field to the distillery, and then it stops at the gulag. <laughs> this is where we get labor for the potatoes. And those over there that are glowing green, pay them no mind. That's right. Leftover from Cold War. Do not ask. <laughs> See, there's a great theme right there. This is see, we're coming up with all kinds of great ideas, throwing them out there, giving them away for free <laughs> to the listeners. They can, they, yeah. you can build your own Russian vodka themed layout. Oh no, I, I, I want to see someone come up with an irradiated vodka train. That's what I want to see. <laughs> that actually dispenses vodka. Maybe not train. Maybe an O and thirty. No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be thirty. But an O scale, like somewhat futuristic, but really kind of crappy and sketchy monorail. Yeah. For transporting, you know, the Russian vodka. Right. It would be so all like be, uh, the, the, that Soviet concrete brutalist architecture. You know. Oh just, yeah. Just like yeah. The kinds of <laughs> and the wind blowing in the background, cold snow on the ground. <laughs> Bleak. Bleak. <laughs> Nobody does bleak train layouts. What a shame. That's true. I've seen a few. Although, tangentially, there's one I want to share, though, and I wish you remember the name, but I'll send the link to you a little bit later. Okay. Uh, there's a gentleman who did the, the Hetch Hetchy Railway. Mm-hmm. Um, forgive me, I can't recall if he did it in Owen 30 or Owen 3, but because all the reference material he had to work off of it was in black and white, he did the entire layout in black and white. So all the trees, all the buildings, kidding. all the lands. I am not kidding. It is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It is, <laughs> it is and it's, it, it, it's a gag I wanted That's to do brilliant. myself. And then now that I've seen this, I'm like, I don't want to do my, my, my Ansel Adams joke where I was going to have Ansel Adams on top of his, uh, his uh, Woody, uh-huh. that famous photo of him where he's yeah. in, in, and uh, it's in black and white. I was going to put him on, on the module for the Grizzly River Railroad, railroad uh-huh. and have everything else in color but him in black and white right. as a gag. But mm-hmm. now that I've seen that this gentleman has built this amazing layout, I don't want to do that gag. You're like, you know, it's, He's done but it. It's, oh, it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's um, yes, it is fantastic. That's great. Dave, I'll send you the link. <laughs> i got to see this. Yeah, yeah. it's so funny because, you know, Jake on last uh, last time, we were talking all about color and realistic color. and yeah. we, It never occurred to us that to build one in black and white. Right? 
that's ta- talking about coloring. I know that everything I do is like oversaturated. Everything is almost like this cartoonish. Well, no, even so, it's it's even to my eyes, and even though I'm the one doing it, is I, I love it kind of hypersaturated, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't really look realistic to right. you know to a lot of other people. Um, and then you know another tangent being you know goes so part of the in scale. So being that I'm an in scale, I originally started as a, mo- a modular you know with Intrac, yeah, which has not aged well at all. Uh, Intrac is is that around anymore? Yeah, there are a lot of lot of clubs holding on to it. Um, it it's still there. It's it's a lot of the technology has not been upgraded, uh-huh. and um, so now there's you know there's there's what they call Freemo, you know, free right. module, mm-hmm. and um, there are several groups all throughout the all the, uh, through the U.S. And then when I lived up in the central Valley, uh, central California, uh, at the at the at the shows, we would often see the Silicon Valley Freemo Club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these modules, if you're unfamiliar with them, are all different types of shapes, sizes, right, right. as long as they have the... the as long as they can plate. mate at the ends, right. Yeah, and, and the electrical, the proper electrical hookups mm-hmm. and the, the right DCC system, if, right. you know, if it's Digitrax or NCS or whatever it is, um, it works. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I mean, they'll figure out how to make it all into uh, one, congru- or one, uh, one layout. Right. But uh, what's neat about that is there's, there's one particular gentleman, I wish I knew his name, who's done several modules... And they're all kind of fairly slender, and they all they kind of follow these rolling ridges, and a couple of little trestles and bridges, and, and dry creeks and running mm-hmm. creeks and all that, all the trees and all that. But as a as a horticulturalist who specializes in California native plants, when I saw this little section, and I'm pretty sure I terrified this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was really withdrawn by my enthusiasm for it because I can look at it. I, I was I was like. I was telling him I said I, I I know that's Corcus lobata. I know that's Corcus agrifolia. There's Aristida purpurea, you know, mm-hmm. purple three on grass. You know, I, I, I see it perfectly. Mullenberger rigans, deer grass, in in scale. Yeah. Done perfectly. Wow. It, it, I guess hyper realistic. I mean, it just it was this natural setting, very minimalist mm-hmm. uh, modules. This, I think it was a set of two or three and, and kind of S shaped, but and only only maybe six to eight inches wide wow. at their widest points. I mean, really small modules, singular track all the way through. But the landscaping, the plants, they were done immaculately. And that's 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 something that's always really neat to see is when somebody takes, I mean, you see a lot of people who take buildings, they take uh, street scenes really, really seriously. I mean, they, they do a really good job at it. Mm-hmm. But seeing someone who does nature, you know, spot on like that right. is really great to see. That's why I love uh, Travis Hanshaw, who does the, the, the beautiful, perfect, uh, Sonoran desert scenery with the, the yeah. saguaro cacti. I mean, when I do desert oh, yeah. scenery, it's a caricature. When he does it, it's it's yeah. amazing, you know. And the, the Palo Verdes and you know, which yeah. are the, the if you know the Sonoran desert, the saguaros always grow up under the Palo Verdes because that's like the nursery plant for it to, for to start under to, for protection. And yeah. he models all of that and the and the agave and you know, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, I feel the same. I'm the same way with rocks. Yeah. You know, when I when I see rock work done really well, I'm like, oh, yeah, you get it. You know, you're not just modeling rocks. You're modeling geology. And with you, it's like you're not just modeling trees. There's different, yeah, yeah you're modeling nature, yeah. which is, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a little deeper level. Yeah. And that's going back to end scale. That's something that uh, for years I've been fighting with a guy, not fighting, arguing mm-hmm. politely with the guys at the club and I finally <laughs> finally get my way now I finally get to start doing this but 
because again, I'm a horticulturalist. I specialize in native plants. I'm an arborist as well. Mm-hmm. You look around the, our layout there, and by the way, if you saw the rocks on our lay uh, at, at that uh, short track, you'd be kind of appalled by the stuff I did. So I'll try and fix that before you visit. Um, it's a little cartoonish, a little bit smooth for what it is. And anyway, but years ago, I got into a couple of arguments with some of the guys out there about the trees because all of our trees are about 40 feet tall. Yeah. And it's I, too I short. Said, yeah. You, you get Douglas firs in that area reach 230 feet tall. Right. Uh, sugar pines, 160 feet tall. Gray pines, 100 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just went around and around. I was like, no, you can't do that. They logged all the trees there. You know, they're all the same size there. And, you know, the guys who were, you know, guys who were for Qualcomm, computer guys, no offense, computer guys, who are telling me a horticulturalist specializes in these, in these actual plants. <laughs> uh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, God, you know, well, you know what, screw you guys. So I, I, I made a giant sequoia in scale, and I mm-hmm. plopped it down on my layout. Good for you. Kind of a giant middle finger to everybody else there. <laughs> To show them what the true scale of it was. And right. it's, you know, a giant sequoia and in scale is uh, almost two feet tall. Yeah. It's about 18 to 17 inches tall. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to make a redwood because a redwood, you know, is, is 378 yeah. feet tall, or a giant sequoia is 274 feet tall, is the biggest one, or 78, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, to kind of show off this. But that's going to be my next goal after you know when i figure out what i'm doing with myself personally um maybe edit that out (laughs) 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 but i've had this long-running desire to do all the conifers of california Hmm. all the native conifer species and i want to make them an o scale wow and so i already have a four by four that's almost 10 feet long for redwood yeah Uh, it's you know four inches is about the right diameter at, at at the buttress so my intent is to start making all the various, you know, conifers. And I'm, I'm doing that in in-scale already for the layout, but uh, to make all the various conifers in O-scale and show them off is kind of like a big collected set. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of like my, this is going to be well into my old man phase when I'm slobbering and talking to myself and I'll be making miniature trees. You're already slobbering and talking to yourself. Who are you kidding? I, yeah. But, <laughs> That's so I'm, a I'm, neat I'm, project, make, building yeah. the tree in, in uh, the, the actual species of tree. Because people think pine tree. No, yeah. there's all no. different kinds. There are X-current pines or D-current pines. There are dwarfs. There are shore pine. You know, like our, our, our shore pine, Pinus contorta, uh, contorta, grows to be about 10 feet tall. Yeah. And it's a very tiny little pine that grows along the ocean. Right. But Pinus contorta mariana, better known as a lodgepole, grows to be about 60 feet tall and right. way high up about 10,000 feet and above. Right. Um, and you never really think that they were related just by looking at them unless you actually know their, their, their you know, evolutionary history. This is one of the reasons I model the Four Corners areas because there's only three kinds of conifers. <laughs> pinion, Ponder- pinion, and pinion. Pin- pinion, ponderosa, which grows between uh, 4,500 and 8,000 feet. Well, that yeah. Uh, and then, then it gives way to mixed conifer forest. There's dug fir and stuff up there, but I don't model that high. Okay. That's, that's, what, that's painted on the backdrop. People always say, <laughs> people who haven't been to the Southwest, I get this all the time. And they say, well, you got a log cabin. Where did the logs come from? This is the desert. Yeah. It's not the Sahara. This is the desert southwest. Basin and range. There's mountains that have, that are covered in trees. Yeah. Anyway. And then you've got, and then, then of course, the, the, the pinion, the junipers and stuff like that. The, um, That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, Utah junipers. Utah Love junipers. One seed juniper, Utah juniper. Arizona cypress is the other one we have around oh, yeah. here, which is a beautiful blue tree. Well, you also have a uh, platinous righty the Arizona sycamore. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful tree grows That's down along the creeks. Tree. Big, huge, huge trunks and giant leaves. Yeah. I love those. Yeah, super cool plant. Yeah, I, I, I'd always wanted to model a riparian area, area, area realistically with big cottonwoods and sycamores yeah. and stuff, but they would dwarf everything else. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see the trains. Sycamores. Yeah, exactly. That real pretty silvery bark, you know, silvery white bark. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, on that been, note, uh, yeah, we see we've gone full circle. We've gone back to, to, to tree hugging at the end. I like wrapping things up like that. <laughs> Robert, it's been an absolute it's, pleasure it's, having you on well, the great, Thunder Mesa uh, Limited podcast. I hope you'll you come back me, and talk, us, talk to us again sometime. Anyway. Well, Dave, thank you very much. And hopefully uh, too many people out there didn't find this too boring. Or offensive. Uh, no, I, I really kept the offense down. I think I did pretty good. <laughs> and that is our show for this time. Thank you so much for listening. I always have such a great time talking with Robert Kerner and want to thank him again for doing the show. Coming up in late December, I'll be back here with episode number 12 of the Thunder Mesa Limited podcast. Until then, you can catch me on YouTube doing model railroad builds and how-tos on the Thunder Mesa Studio YouTube channel, where, by the way, you can see a lot of the modeling we were just talking about in my Puerto Baracho open house video. Don't forget to subscribe to this here podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And you can do that via direct RSS feed at thundermesa.studio slash podcasts or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are streaming. If you'd like to help get Thunder Mesa Studios podcasts and videos on the air, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. Our patrons get early access and exclusive content for as little as $3 a month. You can find out more at patreon.com slash thundermesa. And now, folks, I've got me a train to catch. Keep moving forward, amigos. Adios for now. <laughs>